everybody in the house of the Lord. Give the Lord one more standing ovation of praise. If you love him with all your heart, come on, if you love him with all your might, with all your soul, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I wonder for just about 15 seconds if you can really be thankful and act like you're happy you've been born again. Can you do that for just a moment tonight? Come on, anybody thankful you've had your sins washed away and you've got a new name written down in glory and it's your name? Come on, apostolics arise in the house right now. Somebody shout hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not common you walk into a tabernacle like this on the midweek and the Holy Ghost is free to do whatever it wants and there's no restraint. And that is due to the credit of an apostolic leadership of a powerful man and woman. I don't believe I've ever met Pastor Cox officially until we Today, today gathered together, and I told my wife that I was here for a series to record that he's going to be able to bless thousands of people beyond the borders of this campus and for a ministry that God has allowed us to lead. She said, how do you do? I said, he crushed it. He just powerful word, and, and, and I just, I feel that something special is within this man of God. And I'm not saying this to tickle his ears. I'm not saying it because I need for him to feel accolades. I need you to know and realize how powerful a man of God you have in this house. And the best is yet to come. And I believe that God's hand is upon him and his family. And so, Sister Cox, it's good to meet you, finally. Heard a lot of great things about you from various people. So good to see my dear friends, the Duncans, Brenda and Frederica. I love y'all so very much. And I have a nine-year-old boy who's a little bit jealous that I get to hang out with Judah tonight. So, so that's what happens when you have to do school and I get to travel. So lift your hands and let's close your eyes. I feel the Lord has a word tonight. And I want us to just invite them to be here that we can receive it in our hearts. Everybody in the house, lift your voice right now. Let's pray together that what we feel in the house will be released in the midst of our minds and our hearts. So that signs would follow tonight what the Lord is going to release in this tabernacle. In the name of Jesus, I pray, help us tonight. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. It's a sobering thought, a man that was married to one wife, seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 300 or 3,000 camel, 500 she-asses, and 500 oxen. A man that was of unparalleled and genuine kindness, and when you consider all of the things that he had within his reach, he was a man of well Deserve prosperity, a fine husband from what we can tell with a wonderful marriage. Not to mention he was by far the greatest man in his time living in the East. Yet in a quick moment of 
brutal sweeping back-to-back calamities. This man, Job, was reduced to a twisted mass of brokenness and grief. And these extraordinary events of disaster that hit him would have been more than enough to finish off anybody in this building tonight. And after this massive wind comes through, the storm known to many as a tornado, Job is left bankrupt, helpless, childless. He's left standing now beside the fresh ten graves of his now dead children in this windswept valley. His wife is heaving deep sobs of grief as she kneels beside him and having just heard him say that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name. I mean, here's Job, this guy that, that instead of wallowing in worry, he grabs a razor and he shaved his head. He rent his garments and he fell upon the ground and he worshiped and he was just declaring, blessed be the name of the Lord. You can imagine with me as his wife possibly leans over and says, honey, why don't you just curse God and die? It's my belief that perhaps if Job had a response that that maybe it wasn't a verbal response, but perhaps it was something deep in his soul. I, I can imagine him saying something like, why curse him and die when I can bless him and live? It's at this point that his misery turns into mystery with God's silence and the silence of God becomes downright intolerable and no doubt would have presented an opportunity for him to become offended towards God. I mean, how many of us have been in trying tribulation and circumstances beyond our control and we have become offended with what God has chosen for our lives to deal with. How I many has ever been in a situation where the answer was not the way you thought it should be? For those of you that are perfect, I apologize. I am not perfect. I wonder oftentimes, God, what are you doing in my life? And I wonder, God, what have I deserved to go through this trial and this tribulation? I too am a man that has suffered great loss. I am now into this battle two years and one month from losing the promise of my wife carrying a child. And so here I stand on the doorstep of disaster and I wonder, Is God really worth me to lose my relationship for me to become offended at his decision? Perhaps that may mean nothing to you and everything in your world is just fine. But I promise you, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing. But like Job, you got to have an opportunity, whether I curse him and live or whether I bless him, right? Or is it opposite? Curse him and what? die. That's the thing about it. We don't have time in this day and hour to look around and wonder how I can just kind of slither through this thing and have one feeling towards him on Monday and Tuesday but love him on Wednesday or or love him on Thursday but then Friday and Saturday everything is just falling apart and then I come to church. Listen, God does not need casual Christians to tiptoe their way through the twilight. He needs some bold apostolics who will make up their mind whether God gives or God takes away. I refuse to be offended and I will still bless his name. 
Lift your hands and pray right now. I feel that there is a struggle in the house and I rebuke it and bind it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you gave me a word. Help me, God, to be the mouthpiece of heaven to preach it tonight. Let clarity of your kingdom come forth. I bind every foul spirit of the adversary. I rebuke every filthy finger of the devil that's trying to manipulate the mind of your people. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Who am I preaching to tonight under the sound of my voice that you too have felt the pulling and the weight and the crushing weight of eternity as if you have to make up your mind? Is it worth loving him when it feels like there is no love coming from him? You know, the problem with us apostolics is this. We lean on lyrics to get us through. When the writer of the song is not the one in the middle of your battle. Yes, I know, even when I can't see it, he's working. That's great song. But when the music fades... And when there's nobody here saying, preach, preacher, and there's nobody around saying, you can do this when you're by yourself and the adversary is coming towards you and you feel like giving up. That's when you got to go down so you can go up and realize there's a place called an altar. It doesn't have to be in the sanctuary where everybody can see you. It can be in your bedroom closet. It can be beside your bed. It can be in your vehicle. It can be in the break room of your work. When you say, God, I'm struggling, but I need your help. I'm tired of fighting, but I need some strength right now. I know I'm not the only one in the building that's been grieving loss. I'm not the only one that's going through trials, but I can tell you something. It's going to be worth it all when we hear the trumpet sound and we rise to meet him. I want to hear him say, well, done, thy good and faithful servant. But it's this thing called silence that we don't like. God, where are you? Do you still love me? Are you still there? You know, I've been calling Jesus on the main line and it's busy. Job deals with his disaster. Man, I feel like the Lord... I want somebody to know tonight that you're not alone. This, this thing about COVID, you've been distracted by COVID from Jesus Christ. Oh, it's real. But I've had an opportunity myself to become weary and well-doing. I've had many prime opportunities to just throw in the towel. Things contrary to the way I thought they should be. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or see, I mean, do I look like the type of guy that eats a salad every day? God's provided when there was no way for me to buy my own meal before. God has literally been a very present help in the time of trouble. It's that moment to where you pray, God, where are you? And it's completely silent and you wonder, is it even worth it to show up on Sunday morning? 
Is it even worth it to come to prayer meeting? Or what's the point? I just need some release. And God's saying to you and I tonight, when I am quiet, while you're waiting, I am still working. I have seen the glory of God come into our services and it has wrecked our agendas. It has wrecked our plans. And it has reached us in the low point of life. And when we are down to nothing, I'm not saying because it's cliche, God really is up to something. God really does have something better. And I want to talk tonight for just a couple more moments about this great thing called God's hidden wisdom. We don't speak with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the hidden wisdom of God. That if the adversary had even known about it, if those that were wanting to crucify him, if they would have even known about it, they would have never messed with Jesus. You know where we're at right now? We're in the middle of a war. We're in the middle of a fight for our lives and all through history. I'm not even on my notes, but I just want to go ahead and tell somebody, you can look through all of these pages and you'll find that there are three very valid wars that have been taking on. The first one was in Revelation around the throne where that old dragon called the devil was warring against the kingdom of God in the throne. And the Bible says that he was cast down and I beheld him as lightning fall and he was defeated in that first war. But then there was a second war that took place, Pastor. It was around the cradle when God was manifest in flesh and dwelt among us. And Satan began to mess with Jesus Christ. God manifest in flesh. And he began to chase him all the way from the cradle and to the cross. And when that second war was waged against the kingdom of God, it was a literal physical war because he killed him. They brutally beat him. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and through his stripes we are healed but it did not stop when he let go of his last breath when they buried him in that borrowed tomb it was on the third day that Jesus his prophecy would come to pass if you destroy this temple in three days I'll raise it up again anybody hearing what I'm trying to tell you when Jesus came out of that grave the devil lost the second war And so now, now he shifts his attention to the third and final plot against the twice-born sons and daughters of God. And he's got a target on your face. And he's got a target on your heart. He's got a target on your faith, on your family, and on your future. And I've come to sound the alarm tonight that we can't speak like the rest of the world. We've got to speak through the boldness of the apostolic authority. For God I live. For God I live. I die. And you wonder why you feel depressed and you feel full of anxiety. You feel like you've got fear. It's not because you've done anything wrong. There's a battle that's taking place. It's that third and final war that Satan has released. And now it's against you and me. And we better be careful and cautious and well aware of Satan's devices trying to move and slither itself among us. Yeah, I've been there before. I already told you. I've been through some struggles. I had a meal with my friend Rima last night. And he asked me a question I couldn't even hesitate to answer. Have you grieved over the loss of your baby? 
I said, I'm grieving right now. I trust this man. He said, I can see it in your eyes. I hope people see it in my eyes very clear. Because what better way to minister to people that have grieving circumstances than to tell you, if I can make it, you can make it. You see, I've got a revelation. Everything's going to be all right. It may not look like I'm surrounded by goodness and mercy. But David said, yeah, surely. He said that with authority. You know, it's amazing. The valley always improves your relationship with your creator. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, not sit there and wallow and suck my spiritual thumb and wonder why is everybody picking on me. No, God, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for having faith in me that I can make it through this. And sooner or later, I'm going to pick up the pace and say, it's not just walking. I'm sprinting this thing. Let us run the race with patience that is set before us. This is not to be a sprint. you got to walk in a marathon because sooner or later, everything's going to be all right. And that's where some of you are right now in the sound of my voice. It's what God spoke to me on that Monday night, Pastor, as they heard from three doctors the confirming words, your wife's going to lose her baby. I'm not trying to make you have sympathy. I'm trying to build your faith tonight. I'm trying to come against every manipulative spirit that the adversaries tried to throw in your course of your salvation. Hang on, honey. Help us on the way. It may look like I'm surrounded by trials, but really goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. Through the good times, goodness and mercy. And through the bad times, goodness and mercy. And every in-between season, when I got one foot on the battlefield and one foot on the victory line, until I make that final crossover, he's still good. His mercy still endures That's the hidden wisdom of God. Hell thought you were going to throw the towel in. But Satan's big mistake was to mess with the Holy Ghost believer. Satan's big mistake is to attack you and your family and your ministry. But it's going to be worth it. It's not over. The best is right here. It's in front of you. Reach out and grab it. I think you should lift your hands if you really want God to move on your behalf right now. There are angels in this atmosphere right now. I don't want to push any further for just a moment. If you've got the Holy Ghost and you believe that God is very real in this building, I would challenge you to join those that are standing. Throw your hands high towards the heaven and ask those angels to minister right now in and throughout this tabernacle. Come on. He cuts out your lobo, Hosata. 
Come on, it's worth the fight. It's worth the battle. Listen, listen, I have to tell you this because some of you right now are wondering why you're in this fight and what you've done wrong to deserve this trial. Pastor, I was climbing into the restroom after they settled my wife in to that room on that Monday night, July 8th. 2019 and I began to plead with God I was weak I didn't want my wife to see me weak I was full of fear I wanted to become offended I mean I had every right surely and Job he's one of my absolute favorite characters in fact he is my favorite character throughout the entire holy bible I mean, I connect with him. I've been through a whole lot. I was born and raised. From the time I was two years old, to love God. I've been in church my whole life from two years forward. I've, I've been healed in my body before. I had a club foot. My esophagus was closing up. I was dying when I was crying. And, and, and God, God saved me and healed me. And mother got the Holy Ghost through that. And then I went through a terrible divorce. And I didn't have a dad in my life. And I... I dealt with some addictions and strongholds, and, and God delivered me from that. Surely God can heal my wife. I mean, my mom and dad, after 20 years of marriage, I got to walk down the aisle. My home church, after 20 years of a split family, my dad's life had been ridiculed by drugs and alcohol and, and lying and stealing, and he was a dead man alive walking, and I stood there in the altar when I, I got to see my dad baptized as I buried him in the name. Of the, if you could wash my dad's sins away, you can heal my baby. I mean, I, I got the news that my dad has spoken tongues again. If you can take a backslider. I mean, my dad's body was ridiculed with hepatitis C and, and, and a 25% functioning liver. And the doctor said, Mr. Avant, there's no sign of hepatitis. And if God could heal my dad... You can heal my baby. You can touch my wife. You've done it before. Do it again. I mean, my mom and dad is celebrating six years of marriage this year. After getting back together after 20 years, my dad's seven years drug-free and alcohol-free. And my dad's liver is about 92%. Come on, God. This little baby just needs just needs 12 more weeks in that little incubator called my wife's womb. Come on, you can do it, Jesus. The whole time I'm praying that prayer of faith. But I have so much fear and confusion. Bless God, I pay my tithes every week. I'm faithful to your house. And I asked God one question. I said, like many of you have asked him, even this week, some of you even today, God, what am I doing wrong to deserve this trial? And I've never heard an audible voice from the Lord until that night. When he said, it's not what you're doing wrong, 
It's what you're doing right that I trust you. See, Job's trial. You read it for yourself. If I'm wrong, pastor, you can correct me. But nowhere in this book did it say that God was testing Job's faith. I believe God was proving his faith in Job. He said, have you not considered my servant Job? You want to mess with somebody? Bring it on, baby. But Job found some friends. They didn't say words. They just wept. Seven days, I believe it was. They just cried. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. And it's like my little boy London said, a little nine-year-old boy that just preached his first sermon two months ago. He just got baptized in Jesus' name the week after his birthday, and God just filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But my little boy London, I showed Pastor Day, I'm telling you the truth. He said, and we know how Job's story in. God gave him double for the trouble. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 she-asses, 1,000 oxen. Oh, and by the way, he had seven sons and three daughters. Let me tell you something tonight. Before you walk out this building, you need to get rid of the doubt before you leave here. Let me wreck your world right now. I want you to be awesome. I want you to be awesome. I want you to be powerful. I want you to be mighty. But before you can do any of those things, you better be honest. How many is battling depression right now? Let me see you raise your hand. I'm all up in your business, and I don't care. I'm here today and gone tomorrow. How many is battling anxiety tonight? Okay. How many has fear tonight in their life? Let me, let me wreck this right here. You've prayed, God, deliver me. How many sermons have you said? It's not God's will for you to have anxiety. Well, what if it is for a season? It's called the fellowship of sufferings. Pastor, I don't think I'm wrong, but I have prayed for my wife to be freed from anxiety for almost six years now, and she still battles it. But here's the thing that God showed me. She's living with it, but she's not living with it alone. And some of you still have the medical condition that God hasn't healed you from, but you're not living with it alone. Am I, am I okay? And some of you are still depressed and you've prayed for God. How many of you walk to this altar? God, I believe you can deliver me from depression. And when you walk out and get in your car, you're still depressed. You're not living with it alone. Someday, the S-O-N is going to break that cloud of depression. And when he does... God's going to use the junk you've been through to be the platform to minister to people that are going to go through the same trial. That's what it was. And they took the 12 stones and they put it by the river and said, what mean you by these stones? You know why those stones were there, my beloved friends? For three reasons. To remind me the next time I go through a trial, that's where God brought me from. Oh, and when you're going through the circumstance, hey, let me take you to a place where God did it for me. And if God did it for me, God can do it for you. But my favorite one is to tell the devil, you're still a liar. You told me I wasn't going to survive, but these stones tell me I'm a survivor. You told me to pull the trigger. You told me to pop the pills. You told me to tighten the noose. You told me everything's going to be over. Guess what? I'm still here. 
So here's what God wants you to realize. There is coming a day where he wipes away every tear from the eye. There is coming a day when you won't be depressed any longer. There is coming a day when anxiety is going to be stripped from your life. There is coming a day when the fear is gone. But I just want to tell you right now, for every moment of depression, for what has happened in the past, every moment of anxiety of things you can't control right now, and every moment of fear when you're worried about what tomorrow holds, the only stability that you need is the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For yesterday's scars, for today's concerns, and for tomorrow's worries, he is a very present help right now. So you haven't been delivered yet. That doesn't change the fact that God is still able. Okay. You haven't seen the miracle yet, but it doesn't change the fact that he's, I mean, Moses prayed. Moses spoke on behalf of the kingdom. Let my people go. And deliverance was delayed. I don't know why it was delayed, but I can just say they that wait upon the Lord. When he does deliver you, you're going to know you're set free. And my word to this beautiful congregation tonight is this. The war that you have been fighting and the battles that you have been engaged in is for one reason. It's for this community to know. I believe that God has aligned this congregation to be a regional voice and a place of refuge for people that need deliverance, for people that need hope, for people that need God's hand to really reach down and touch them. Hear me. The reason why you're battling is because God is going to equip some of you to be the source of sounding reason and explanation for those that are going to walk through these doors. Pastor, I believe a harvest is on the way. First lady, I believe God's heard your prayers. I don't believe they're being torn and thrown away to a deaf ear. I don't believe the wind's throwing in the opposite direction. I come with a word from God, the hidden wisdom through which he defeated hell around the throne and at Calvary is the same power that's inside of you. You've just got to reach up and believe for it. My help is coming near. My faith is standing firm. God is still on my side. So my challenge to you tonight, before we leave this house, if you're depressed, throw your hands high towards heaven and ask God to be with you and help you and strengthen you. And until that day of deliverance comes, you just keep waiting because he's still working. Those of you that have fear in your life, throw your hands high towards heaven. Those of you that battle anxiety, those of you that have affliction in your body, those of you that are dealing with financial pressures, those of you that have troubles at your home, there's nothing too hard for God to handle. Come on, any believers in the house? Any apostolic warriors in the house tonight? Is there anybody that's willing to say, God, whatever you've got to do in my life, I trust you. But I want to say thank you, Lord, for having faith in me. That's my word. God has faith in you. God has confidence in you. Don't let them down now. Don't throw the towel in right now. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. There was a miracle coming when you least expect it. Hold on to the promises of God. In him they are yay and amen. 
I pray we'd all lift our hands and cry out to God right now in this tabernacle. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. God has faith in you. Come on, God has faith in you. Come on, yield to the Spirit of God that wants to break in this room right now. You're not alone. God's living with you through the trial. He's living with you through the circumstance. He's with you right now. That's it. Come on, reach out. Come on, take a moment to dive in and receive it tonight. Come on, where's your faith at? Where's your faith at tonight? Somebody needs to be used of God for right now. Every hand raised towards heaven. If you're physically able to do so, I ask you to stand to your feet tonight and surrender everything you have. Let's be sensitive right now. Ta da bo ho sandala ba hai ka ta da bo ho ya